Hello, this is Rabbi Rob Doberson, and welcome to this edition of Wrestling and Dreaming. I'm recording this podcast early in the week, and over the weekend we've seen the release of several groups of hostages from Gaza returning to Israel. Such good news, and we wish those who have been released from this captivity comfort and peace in the days ahead. It is unimaginable how horrible a situation this must have been, and we just are grateful for their being able to return to their families and return to Israel. And for those who are still in captivity, they are in our thoughts and in our prayers, and we hope to see their release very soon. This is a tragic, tragic element of what is a large, tragic story that has taken place over the past 50-plus days. And our thoughts are with all of the families everywhere who have been affected by this terrible situation. And we pray for the release of the hostages soon. This week I want to share with you a Devar Torah, a sermon that I delivered a couple of years ago on Parshat Vayishlach. It is not meant to reflect any political or, or large-scale situation. It really is a very personal sermon intended for each individual to think about, and I hope you'll find it meaningful. This week's Torah portion is called Vayishlach. The word Vayishlach means he sent, and it refers to the fact in the first verse, Vayishlach Yaakov Malachim, that Jacob sent Malachim, and I'll look at that word in a moment, to Esau, his brother, with whom he had had such a long-standing conflict. And he sends these Malachim with gifts to appease Esau, to hopefully overcome the conflict between them. Of course, as it turns out, the Malachim return and say that Esau is coming towards Jacob with 400 men with him. And Jacob immediately sets into the pattern of trying to save himself and his family from what he assumes will be Esau's aggression. Now, let's go back to the word malachim. The word malach, the singular, malachim, the plural, generally refers to angels, emissaries of God on earth. But in the Torah, a malach can also refer to a human messenger whom an individual sends to perform a task on their behalf. So in this case, which is it? Did Jacob send Malachim angels or Malachim human messengers? We would assume they were human. But Rashi, for one, is very clear that he thinks these were, quote, Malachim mamash, actual angels. Now, regardless of what you think about the existence of such angels, the commentaries on why and how Jacob managed to get a hold of a few real angels are fascinating. A Hasidic teacher, Rabbi Meir of Parmishlan, cites a phrase in Pirkei Avot. Rabbi Eliezer ben Yaakov teaches that when one performs a mitzvah, one acquires a praklit, an advocate, who can represent him or her for good. Rabbi Meir says that this advocate is an angel, and he says that Jacob had done so many mitzvot that he had a huge cadre of angels protecting him, and so he could afford to send some of them out to meet Esau. His proof for this is that the word Rashi had used mamash, which means literal, to refer to literal angels, 
Rabbi Meir says as an acronym for Malachim Mitzvot Sha'asa, angels taken from the mitzvot that he had performed. The Kotzka Rebbe says that we all have and we all need protecting angels. But Jacob could afford to send his protecting angels away simply because God had previously promised to give him divine protection, direct divine protection. So he figured he didn't need his protecting angels. The implication is that we shouldn't be so quick to send ours away on a mission. We need them around us. But now let's look at the other more rational possibility that these were human messengers. They were human beings whom Jacob sent to represent him to appease Esau, or possibly to be the initial target of Esau's wrath, in place of Jacob being on the receiving end. So now we need to take a bit of digression into Jewish law. The word Vayishlach, Jacob sent, is important in this context because viewed anachronistically from the perspective of later Jewish law, these representatives were in fact shilichim, emissaries, coming from the same word meaning the same root of the word meaning to send, Vayishlach shilichim. In Jewish law and Jewish ritual, the concept of a shaliach, singular, shilichim, plural, is critical. A shaliach is an individual appointed by a person to perform a mitzvah that that person either cannot or chooses not to perform for him or herself. Let's look at some examples. It is the obligation for parents to circumcise their baby boy at eight days, according to Jewish law. Most parents, and you can be sure that I'm part of that group, do not want to have the responsibility of performing this procedure on their own son. So a trained moel performs the ceremony. That moel is in fact a shaliach of the parents, performing the mitzvah they do not wish to perform. And some moelim will actually ask the parents to specifically designate him or her as their shaliach through a verbal statement before beginning the ceremony. Others will regard the fact that they have been hired to perform the ceremony enough to imply their designation as a shaliach and don't require a verbal statement. Either way, the moel is the shaliach, performing the mitzvah in place of the parent. Another example. The person who leads the davening from the bima is referred to as a shaliach tzibor, the shaliach of the congregation. If a person is not capable of saying the prayers or saying them as smoothly as they might wish, then davening along with the shaliach tzibor or even answering amen to the blessing said from the bima is sufficient to fulfill one's obligation to pray the fixed prayers. That individual performs a mitzvah of prayer on behalf of the congregation. Finally, one last example, and this seems to be fading a bit from common practices because of opportunities for online donations, but it's still interesting. Often when we heard of someone traveling to Israel, there was a tradition to give that person money to contribute to tzedakah when they arrived in Israel. That person becomes the shaliach, allowing a person to contribute money in Israel even if they can't go there themselves. But there's another reason why that tradition developed. It actually is the practice to give that person some money and then to also give them money to give to tzedakah when they return. Because there is a principle, shiluchei mitzvah enan nizikim. A person who is an agent to perform a mitzvah for another person cannot be harmed. So that would protect a person both on their trip to Israel and on their return as well. 
Clearly, it shouldn't obviate the need to purchase travel insurance, but it's a nice thought. The key point, though, is that according to Jewish law, shaliach adam kimoto, a person's agent is like him or herself, taking the place of an individual and acting with full power and authority on their behalf. So Jacob's malachim could have been real angels, or they could have been human shlichim. So which would have been preferable here? Which would it have been better for Jacob to send? Well, I found an interesting source for an answer to this question, identified in a collection of texts that I had as the quotation of Rabbi Baruch. Now, I have to say I'm not sure which Rabbi Baruch it is, but he answered the question brilliantly as to which would have been preferable. He said, none of the above. Listen to what he says, quote, the sending of messengers, and he doesn't distinguish whether human or heavenly, achieved no results. Their mission to appease Esau was unsuccessful because Esau still came at Jacob with 400 men. Rabbi Baruch goes on to teach, when you have something important to say to someone else, you shouldn't send agents, you should say it yourself. You don't depend upon messengers, human or divine. The Malachim achieved no lasting result. Esau still presented a threat to Jacob until they saw each other face to face. That's when the situation changed. Jacob approached him face to face and bowed down to him, and Esau ran to greet him, and the two hugged and kissed. So we learn from this something very important about the limitations of the effectiveness of shlichim, of agents, and I think it's important both in our Jewish ritual lives and in our lives in general. First, from the perspective of Jewish ritual. There are times when appointing or considering someone your shaliach is entirely appropriate. We hire a mo'al, absolutely appropriate. We listen to someone more skilled than we might be, lead the prayers, absolutely appropriate. Completely legitimate, these and other examples. But in general, we should not depend on others to perform our ritual obligations for us. It used to be more common, but I know it's still practiced today that people pay someone to say Kaddish in memory of their deceased relatives. We shouldn't do that. If it's at all possible, we should be going to Minyan. We should be saying Kaddish in person. We shouldn't contribute to a Shiva so that student can study Torah in our name. We should be studying on our own. We can't assuage any guilt that we might feel for not observing a mitzvah by thinking that we fulfilled our obligation as Jews if someone else is observing the laws we should observe. Yeah, we can appropriately support individuals and communities and institutions, but that does not remove from us the personal responsibility to observe. We cannot appoint shlichim to do what we can and should be doing on our own. And in our everyday life, we can learn from Rabbi Baruch's commentary about the shlichim that Jacob sent not being successful to remind us that in a world in which means of indirect communication abound, there is nothing, not even using a divine angel, if we had the power to do so, that replaces face-to-face -face personal contact with a person with whom we wish to communicate. The hug which Jacob and Esau experienced proved that the space between two people, whether between parents and children, siblings, spouses, partners, friends, co-workers, can best be bridged not by hiding behind a shaliach, whether human or technological, but by bridging the gap in person, face to face. We may not always receive a hug and a kiss in return, 
but the effort will always be with it because as Jacob taught, we are our own best shlichim. Until next time, thank you.